When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Koshi here with a small favour. Each year we run a subscriber survey to help us understand our audience and what we can do to help you be a better investor. I'd love you to fill it out. You can find it at osbiz.co.survey or follow the link in the program notes. To sweeten the deal, there are some great prizes on offer, including lunch with the Osbiz experts. Thanks for doing that. Now enjoy the call. Good afternoon, a warm welcome to you from all of the team here at AusBiz. This is the call, 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour for this Wednesday, March the 16th. I'm Nadine Blaney, just in for Koshi this week. Well, we have two experts, of course, on today's show, and we've got them here for the full hour. So captive audience, I hope, joining me all the way from Perth, Carl Kepwilinga from Think Markets. Hey, Carl, how's it going over there? Hey Nadine, yes, it's a very good over here, beautiful sunny day and I've uh, been cramming the, the 10 stocks you sent through, I'm very excited about this list, particularly a couple of uranium stocks in there, I know Don't viewers will be looking away. forward to that as well, yeah. I know, I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I can sense the excitement. Now Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial is here with me in studio, now Michael we've both been cramming about vanadium, so that's a bit of a... Mm a hint as to what's to come, but it's been such an interesting time in markets with the resilience that the Australian market has shown because of commodities and energy. And even today, while we have commodities and energy retreating, interesting times. Yeah, look, it's a very, very difficult period, really. Um, Obviously, we saw swift um, falls around the COVID period, but I think there was a little bit more certainty as to that we would come out of that at some stage. At the moment, you look out on the horizon and there are so many different scenarios that could evolve, um, which makes the life of an investor very, very complicated at the moment and a fund manager. (laughs) So it's been definitely very tough out there. The Australian market has held up remarkably well, obviously BHP being, you know, 10% these days and being commodities heavy. Finally, the Aussie market's having its time in the sun, but below the surface uh, is a lot more carnage then it might look at that top line, headline level. So yeah. tough times indeed, but you've got to be optimistic, I think, with markets, but you've got to be cautious as well. at the moment. You know, there's a lot of talk about some of those tech names in particular being sold off. But yeah. anyways, I digress. Let me just tell you what's coming up today. Carl sort of gave it away, but we've got Alligator Energy. We've got Elevate Uranium. We've got Qantas. A good day for that, but travel stocks are doing pretty well today. SRG Global is coming up and Telstra. It's been a long while since I've been talking about Telstra on this program. Um, Before the stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Australian Vanadium, but we can talk about the battery space in particular because shares in that little company are up by 25% today after it was awarded a $49 million grant from the government as it looks to take advantage of the EV boom. So really, the federal government, uh, after saying that EVs were going to steal our weekends, if you recall, I think it was the last election campaign, 
now is looking to allow the country to capitalize on the boom which is happening everywhere. Also, I think it's interesting in today, Queensland has released a $3,000 subsidy for EVs under 58,000. So that does eliminate Tesla. But what we want to focus on for the stock of the day is Australian vanadium. Um, but I will also mention that Arafura Resources got $30 million um, from the government in a rare earth separation plan and Alpha PH has uh, been given um, a grant by the government as well. So a lot of those little resources companies coming on the radar as we uh, you know, look to advance toward this decarbonization theme. So I will start with you, Carl Capulinga in Perth for Australian Vanadium. Um, it is a, uh, you know, a mineral that is used in steel alloys. It's used in battery technologies. It's used in tools. It's got many different uses. It can even be used in some health applications. Um, but Australian Vanadium is, is basically building um, some sort of a, a, pros, a project um, that will again supply this high-grade uh, mineral to steel and energy storage markets. What do you think of it? Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a very uh, interesting little company. And when I say little, I mean in terms of share price, it's only about four, four cents. Um, but and, and so that, you know, when we say 25% pop today, it, it sounds big, but it's gone from you know uh, three, three and a bit to four and a bit. Um, but you know, great for the company. Obviously, 49 uh, million uh, in the in the bank to uh, pursue these uh, initiatives. They've got an operation sort of uh, a, a bit north uh, east of Geraldton and a bit southwest of uh, Carnarvon, if you like, over here in WA. I know exactly um, but, where yeah, you're look, talking about. I do. <laughs> I'm sure driven there. <laughs> Uh, but look, as you said, uh, vanadium is is all the rage at the moment on the market. So um, obviously, steel hardener. But what um, investors are really excited about at the moment with respect to vanadium companies is this uh, idea of uh, the next gen, potentially next gen. I mean, there's a few next gens competing, right, for for the next battery. Um, but this uh, vanadium redox battery, which has a higher energy density uh, than your current lithium iron, and that means that the, the batteries can last longer on a particular charge. So that's what everybody's excited about. It's all about uh, your, your range anxiety with your, your Teslas, bringing that down, uh, hoping to, to push into that sort of thousand kilometer uh, range vehicle and beyond. So, uh, yeah, look, they're, they're, they're a, a, a player. There are a player in, in, in this space and one of the, the uh, better looking local alternatives, uh, particularly on the chart. So I definitely like the chart. It is very much bottom left, top right. Uh, little bit sketchy there on screen but if you look at the candlesticks and i love my candlesticks um they're definitely uh looking quite quite healthy there so short-term trends long-term trends price action uh, into high peaks and hot drops all the good stuff all the stuff i really like to see um it's one i've been uh, tweeting about for a while i think since late november i checked my notes and then uh, it was my feature chart on the 7th of jan just as it's starting to ramp up uh so if you if you're in it on any of those uh, recommendations i would definitely hold on to it if you're not in it i still think you can buy this one i still think there's plenty left in this chart However, look, a little bit of a pop today, you might want to wait for a pullback. So I think four cents now is that uh, key support level. And if you can get in around around there, I think that'll be good buying uh, for a medium to longer term play. Got it. So yeah, pull on a buy on a pullback, which we're likely to see sort of at some time, anytime really in the coming weeks. Now, um, in fairness to you, Michael, I know that this is not the area of the market that mm -hmm. you look at, but now how you feel about hydrogen too soon, can't pick a winner at this stage of the game. <laughs> But we've now got a lot of the, um, you know, if you're not interested in this one, how do you gain exposure then to the emerging thematic of EV, the battery technology that will fuel that decarbonisation trend? Well, I think the way that we've played it to date has been through the lithium space. Um, 
formerly Galaxy Resources, Oricobra, now Alkeem. Um, that's been a, a very good place to be, um, but we have to be cautious. We did see a few years ago, a lot of supply come on the market. Um, that wasn't taken up, the price pulled back, and you do get opportunities in, with these volatile type commodities. And um, this particular announcement today, I, th I think shows you just where this market is heading, particularly in, in rare earths. I mean, vanadium um, has been diagnosed or designated a critical material by the US, by Japan, by Europe and Australia as well. And times like this, when you've got these conflicts and geopolitical tensions around, it does highlight the critical importance of some of these materials, which historically you could only get from certain parts of the world that mightn't always be uh, as accommodating. So. There's gonna be more and more of this, I think, if it's certainly for these rarer type materials where there's not a lot of supply globally, um, but you have to also take it in your stride knowing that these are small emerging businesses uh, and they could absorb a lot of capital before they eventually turn into producers um, who are generating a profit. So it, it, is, it is difficult. Um, I suppose another good way that we've got for clients as well as the ACDC ETF, ETFs, um, do make your life easier sometimes, just giving you a basket of exposures um, when you're not so certain about the individual companies. So that's a couple of different things to look at. There's obviously battery technology ETFs these days as well. Um, and if you're happy to look overseas, there's also various ETFs. So that's probably the easiest way to play some of these emerging spaces. So not AVL, Australian Vanadium. Oh, probably not for me at this point, but I'm happy to go with Carl as a technical side of things. <laughs> yeah. But you can see the chart, um, it's not very liquid. It does move around a fair bit, just given the fact that the share price is, is four cents or whatever it may be. So it's probably not everyone's cup of tea, but it, it's, it's definitely gonna be on a lot more people's radar after today. But from my standpoint, it's hard to give it a buy, just given the, the risky nature of it. Fair enough, that's what this program is all about. Mm. That's what markets are all about as well, isn't it? Um, differing opinions on uh, where, where the opportunity and value lies. All right, that was stock of the day. Let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you. So this is for Patrick, it's Alligator Energy. I will go out there and say, feel free, gents, to mix it up with number two on the list, which is Marinica Energy, EL8 is the ticker code for Patrick. So basically, they want um, technical analysis on Alligator Energy. Um, Patrick's a more thematic fundamentals investor, but again, would love to know how the charts are stacking up for Alligator Energy and Marinica Energy. And uh, Patrick, yeah, just looking for sort of what, they, what they're looking like at, at these key levels. Uh, Carl, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, look, I think you're right. We could probably do the first two in one because they are small uh, uranium explorers. Having said that, they're, 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 they're more, more than explorers because they're both uh, pretty confident that they have a resource. And it's more about sort of drilling to shore up that resource, uh, get to the stage where um, they can uh, declare it as a JORC compliant, uh, J-O-R-C compliant resource. Uh, but both of them are, are a fair way away. And in particular, Alligator Energy is probably a bit further away than Elevate. Um, so typically you go through this sort of um, phase, we do a bunch of drilling, you establish a resource, you have a pre-feasibility study for a mine, you, then you go to a definitive feasibility study. We start to talk about, you know, ordering uh, various equipment in to do the mining and, 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 and staffing and where the staff are gonna live. And um, it, it, that's, that's the stage before you get to the final investment decision, which is, okay, 
uh, we're, we're, we're going to do this. You know, we're, we're even funded. So, uh, you know, geez, funding's a whole other part of the puzzle. So just giving, I guess, viewers some of the background as to the, the, the major hurdles you have to get over uh, to get to a mine. Uh, so uh, Alligator is pre uh, pre-feasibility, if that makes sense. So they don't even have that stage. Um, so it's early stages. And it's going to, the price is going to ebb and flow pretty much on the uranium price. So I think if you're buying alligator, you're not buying it because there's imminent production. You're buying it because you're speculating on the uranium price. If that's the case um, and you have a view on uranium, you think uranium is going up, then I think uh, it's as good as any of the other small ones in the space. Uh, the chart is constructive. I do have a, a short-term uptrend, a long-term uptrend. The price action is quite good. We are consolidating in a, in a, a sort of a, a range between six and eight cents, and we're at the you know, probably towards the top end of that range. Um, it's a solid hold. It's one I've been uh, again. It's in my my daily um, tweet where I do um, basically all my favourite charts, um, and and I would hold on to on that basis. I'm not sure if I'd buy it just now. I think I'd wait for a close above eight cents. Um, that's been a, a real bugbear in terms of the technical uh, resistance levels. And if it has closed above eight cents, a little bit of volume coming in, then I think it can move up into the next sort of range, which is towards 11. So these are small companies, you know, but uh, you know, a move from eight to 11 is a pretty is pretty big bang bang for your buck in terms of percentage uh, percentages. So um, just in terms of uh, uranium, and of course, you know, spilling into Elevate, and I'll talk about Elevate just in a second. So we're kind of doing two at once here. Um, the, the market for uranium has uh, been uh, oversupply for a, for a number of years. So pretty much since sort of 2014, 15, um, uh, the prices plunged. Uh, there, there a bunch of mines, a bunch of significant mines were put on care and maintenance because they just weren't uh, economic. Uh, more recently, we've been, seen a, a pop-up in the spot prices. We're back up to that sort of 50, 60 US a pound. And that's a bit of a critical level because it is the level that starts to get some of these producers um, starting to make more economic sense. So I'm talking about Paladin with their uh, Langer Heinrich. I'm talking about Boss Energy with their Honeymoon Uranium Mine. Um, Lotus has one as well. It's a funny name. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so th look, those three uh, in the space would be my, my top picks in terms of being able to capitalise on any continued upside in the uranium spot price. And we're expecting that market to move back into deficit in terms of supply, very important, deficit in terms of supply around about uh, 2025. So you are taking a bit of a long-term view, but prices are moving and they are at about 11-year highs. So I know there's a lot of information to distill there, um, but uh, whether, look, it's Alligator or Elevate or Viami, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, 92 Energy, there's so many in the space. Um, I would prefer to go with the ones that could get to mining very quickly. It's not going to be Alligator. It's not going to be Elevate. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be those three I talked about. So Paladin, well, Boss and uh, Lotus. Would be I'm glad you brought up Boss. Sorry, Carl, to interrupt, because it is doing an equity raising today. So yeah. it says that this will fund that South Australian project to production. Um, so Boss Energy is one that you've got on your buy list as well. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty big, big chart there. Uh, it's an odd one because it had a, a, a consolidation. So I I think it was a one for eight. So yes, yeah. if you had eight shares, you ended up with one share. So that yeah. chart's not showing it. Okay, so um, now I'll go to you, Michael, on the uranium name. So mm -hmm. Alligator Energy, Maranica, Boss, Paladin, Lotus, is there anything in any of them that you like? When we talk more about nuclear, we yeah. talk more about climate change, um, and we talk a lot about you know this, the buying of uranium, physical uranium, by the Sprott Uranium Trust. So do you have a view? Yeah, I mean, we own Boss and we own Paladin. I mean, okay. in my old age, we're moving a bit more into commodities. 
probably for the first time um, really in our history over the last sort of 12 months or so, just given the, the market conditions and the broader macro themes that are out there um, in a high inflation, potentially slowing growth environment. Historically, commodities is probably one of the only areas in the market that's done well. So I think you have to have some exposure to that space. Um, and then when you're looking at your exposures, you're looking at some of these commodities that are aligned to a greener future. And I think uranium does have a place um, in all of that. Um, and as Carl sort of highlighted just then, the whole supply demand dynamics are shifting pretty much after a decade where they were down in the dumps ever since the Fukushima nuclear disaster. So there's a bit of life in, in the nuclear space at the moment and the uranium space. Um, Boss and Paladin are the two that we own because as Carl points out there, they are the closest to being back in production. Um, these other smaller mines are still a long, long way from, from getting to that point in time. So I think it just makes sense that you, from a, a, a risk perspective, that you want to be in those that will be generating some cash flow in the near term rather than those that are in the never-never. So from our standpoint, that's the way we would prefer to play it. Um, these two particular names, they're, it's interesting because the Northern Territory um, is actually where they've got a few of their resources based. And apparently that part of the world has a lot of uranium there under the ground, but really an undeveloped form. So that could be an area to watch in the future. But for now, I don't think it's necessarily worth the risk to pick up some of these smaller names. Is that sort of a rule of thumb for you there at Medallion across the board that uh, in mm -hmm. a time that yeah. you're seeing commodity prices rise, you want to be in those names that are actually producing and shipping and have the update agreements already in place? It depends on the individual ultimately, but it just makes sense from a risk exposure to go for those that will be generating and spitting out cash in the short term. Some, some individuals like to take slightly higher risk and, and that's their prerogative and that's more than fine. But I just think from a, a more conservative exposure standpoint, it just makes sense to go with those more developed names. Are you getting old, Michael? I think so. <laughs> I'm definitely getting, definitely getting fatter. I don't think so. All right, uh, let's get on to the next on the list. I'll start with you on this one, Michael. It's Qantas. So a lot of the travel names are having a good day today. I think it might have to do with the fact that we've got the New Zealand border now opening to tourists. Yeah. But let's be honest. I mean, these sort of lately are at the mercy of whatever um, wind comes through. And I suppose the retreat in oil prices also being uh, a yeah. good thing for the likes of Qantas. Uh, would you invest in Qantas today? Look, it's not a business we would normally invest in. Um, the quality of airlines is, uh, is very challenging um, at, at the best of times. Um, there are just so many variables that go into it, and I've probably said this a thousand times over the years, but obviously there's energy prices, there's currency, there's intense competition from international airlines. Um, really for Qantas, the main driver of profitability is a domestic market mm -hmm. through Jetstar, um, as well as the premium brand Qantas. And by splitting those two out, um, you obviously can retain the quality brand name of Qantas and the service and then offer a cheaper alternative. So it's, look, it's very unlikely that the international market will recover to post, or sorry, to pre-COVID levels until 2024, 2025, some people are talking about, but in the short term, you'll probably get a stronger, quicker rebound in the domestic market. Um, and that's what Qantas will be relying on and hoping for. Um, the markets, I would think, by now has embedded much of this into the price. We have a lot more certainty. I think it's a bit clearer that we won't be going back into lockdown and closing the borders. 
Um, and just as they were getting some momentum and recovery there, you can see late Jan, early Feb, the rising oil price took the wind out of their sails. And I think that's just reflective of the airline industry overall. It's a, a challenging space, ver too many variables to get your head around, and history's littered with the names of airlines that have gone belly up. But look, from, from my standpoint, Qantas is very high quality when it comes to airlines, but looking at, at it from a business perspective, um, we just don't think it's easy to value. Likes to fly Qantas, doesn't like to buy Qantas. I go with wherever the points are. <laughs> the, the Qantas Frequent Flyer program, that's one of their key assets. Yeah. That's been performing very well in this environment. So, Hey, have you been flying for business yet? Flying for, I've been, been to Melbourne. Business, yeah. You went down to Melbourne and that's about the extent of it. That's all I've got clients really, yeah. Melbourne, Queensland. But would you, like, where are you going to start traveling for business again? You I think, think more so. Frequently? I think there's not, you, cook, you can't beat a face-to-face meeting um, obviously you can do smaller meetings on the side over zoom but i think every now and again you can't beat sitting down opposite someone reading the emotion yeah. having a good conversation having a meal those sorts of things so i think over time people will return to normal they might not do it as frequently mm -hmm. um, but i think that will happen yeah all right interesting uh, carl when are you flying east again uh, look, maybe in the not too distant future, my last flight was actually uh, to Sydney to, to catch up with you guys. Um, yeah, that didn't the, work out very well for you, man, did it? The, the straw man competition. No, I think I was in quarantine for, for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously things got worse and worse and worse everywhere else. And no, we, ha we haven't done much flying at Think Market. So I think Market's head office is in Melbourne. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm satellite office over in Perth. Uh, and we have been talking about yeah, getting me back to Melbourne and then over to Sydney to catch up with you guys again in the not too distant future. Because obviously, uh, borders are open. And as long as you're vaccinated, um, things shouldn't be too hard so um, that's that we're hoping it gets back to normal but at, this, at the same time um, you know let, let's face it pre-covid um, and I've, I've, I've been in Perth with uh, working for Melbourne companies in the past and I used to do a lot of flying I was gold uh, on uh, gold in fact I got to platinum on virgin and gold simultaneously on Qantas so that's no mean feat uh, but I just can't see uh, in this day and age and just talking from a corporate perspective going back to that sort of crazy amount of flying uh, because you know so much more can be done uh, via technology, and yes, that will I think um, sort of uh, be a long-standing um, uh, headwind, I guess, uh, for that corporate uh, traveller coming back. I think that will be uh, permanent. Uh, but domestically, um, uh, you know, holiday travel is going to bounce back. What has already bounced back? And then international, as uh, Michael said, from FY 20, late 23, I'd say, um, second half of 23. Uh, but I think there's some value in Qantas, you know, and I think a, a lot of people aren't investing in it because of all of the unknowns and because, well, let's face it, it's an airline stock and some people just don't look at it because they, they you know, they're uh, you know, Buffett fans, perhaps. Uh, but there is some value there. We've got a fair value target of about 552, which is sort of, you know, 10 to 12 is an upside. No dividend at the moment for obvious reasons, but that'll come back, um, you know, probably going to yield 2 or 3%. Uh, from say FY23 and then back up to four and uh, five from there. But there are elevated risks, obviously, um, in the short term. We've got higher fuel costs. In the longer term, uh, you know, the just structural uh, changes to, 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 to habits of, uh, of travellers. So, but I think there's value there. On the, on the chart, it's probably another story. It's, it's very flat. It's very flat on the chart. Mm -hmm. uh, and despite the value, I can't get to a buy. But given there is value in there, I'm going to go with a hold on Qantas. Thank um, you. Nadine, can I can I bother yeah. you one second? And can we go back because I just didn't give um, Elevate Uranium for Patrick. Okay. Uh, just the technical view. Sure. Um, so just on Elevate um, again, another one. It looks pretty similar to Alligator. It's definitely a hold. Not quite a buy right now. If we get some upward upward momentum, uh, I would happily upgrade it to a buy. But a very solid hold for a nice looking chart.
Thank you. Thanks for being so thorough, Carl, as well. Patrick, thanks you, I'm sure, as well. Let's get to SRG Global for Adam. So he's given us a bit of detail. I'll start with you, Carl. He says, since its price drop in January 2020, it's continued to increase. And with its recent conference presentation demonstrating growth, where do you see the price going in the next quarter and for the remainder of 2022? What are the charts telling you for SRG? Charts are looking good for SRG. I'm just uh, looking at, at it right now, actually, just here on my, my screen on the left. And, um, you know, it's bottom left, top right. So, you know, straight away, uh, I, my eyes are, are, are open and I'm excited just from that, that basic fact because you can only get bottom left, top right is if there is an excess of demand and, uh, and, and you know, uh, less supply in the market. And you've got to say, well, why is there lots of demand for this stock? Well, because people are doing the, the hard analysis. They're doing the hard work and they're understanding that there is a very, very strong business here in what is effectively their bull market. So these guys are sort of engineering contractors, but they also uh, sort of dip into the construction and asset maintenance side of things. So it's sort of, sort of a whole of um, uh, life of the asset. Uh, it, and what's really neat about um, this company is that they're more about sort of um, locking clients into this sort of annuity revenue stream rather than just sort of going, you know, stumbling from project to project like a, like a lend lease, for example. So yeah. um, they're doing really, really well. A lot of focus over here in WA, a lot of focus to, to the mining sector. So, you know, clients just, just reel them off. Rio Tinto, Fortescue, BHP, uh, Gino Reinhardt's, Roy Hill. A bunch of the gold miners, uh, and, and and we know that with uh, high commodity prices, um, activity is going to continue to be strong there. Um, a lot of uh, infrastructure spend from governments, particularly mm -hmm. um, here in WA. So all all positives. The only negative, I guess, would be on the cost side of things because um, because they, they do have a large uh, focus over here. Um, Labor is so tight over here, Nadine. Yeah. It is crazy. Um, and that is going to send up um, the, the cost of keeping their key personnel, which is the biggest um, cost driver in the business. So uh, putting it all aside, we, we do like this one. Um, we've had it as a buy for some time, as in since I think middle of last year, um, and with a, a really fantastic chart and a, and a good valuation. Our Fed to value tax is about 67 cents. It's trading about 50 cents. Uh, and at about a four or five percent fully frank yield, so uh, plenty of total share mm -hmm. for the return. I'm going to go with a buy. Buy, buy, hold or sell for SRG Global, Michael. It's not a company that I was familiar with before, but it's been in the media the last few days because it's acquired the sister company of ProBuild, which mm -hmm. is a, a company that went into administration. So that could potentially be a, a good buy for them, buying something that's a bit depressed. Um, but this particular business, it looks quite good from a fundamental perspective. They had a pretty good year last year, constantly revising up their earnings expectations, beating guidance, that sort of thing. So the momentum in the company does seem to be very good. Um, their balance sheet seems to be quite good as well. A big amount of cash on their balance sheet. Um, so when you're looking at, look, there is actually quite a few of these sort of mid-tier construction type um, services companies. Um, but this one seems to have worked on some sizable projects in Dubai, the Emirates Tower over there. Um, they've got a diversified portfolio of projects, if you like, across a number of different industries, which I think is probably a good thing, just looking at some of these services companies back when the mining cycle took a negative turn a few years back. So, look, I'm happy to give it a hold. I can't give it a buy because I don't know enough about the company, but it's, it's probably worth having on the watch list and it's one to go and do a deep dive into just to understand exactly what are the main drivers of the business um, and what are some of those key contracts Good. that they've got in place. All right, let's get to four on the list. This is for Renee. I'll start with you on this one, Michael. I don't have any detail from Renee, so perhaps we can talk about Telstra. Big picture, fundamentally, mm -hmm. is this a company that you think will grow? Yeah. Is it worth holding for the income? 
Yeah, look, it's a tough one because Telstra's looking the best it's probably looked in a long time. Um, many people hold it and they've sort of held it through some very, very tough times there. But look, it does seem to be in a better position um, than it's been. But nevertheless, it's still not going to be an ultra high growth type company. Um, their mobile business continues to do very, very well. Um, the phasing out of the copper network is a positive for them because it reduces a lot of their costs. Um, they've recently entered into an agreement with TPG whereby TPG will be able to access the mobile mm -hmm. network in some of these places, particularly in the regional area. Yet yeah, Telstra will be able to access some of their spectrum. So that should be EPS accretive for them. Um, they put, they've pushed back the expected margin increases on the NBN business out to I think 2025 now originally they were going to look to get that into the the mid-teens I think they were talking around sort of 2023 so that is a little bit of a, a hiccup and it just shows how intense the competition still is in things like broadband um, so look from my standpoint I'm happy to give Telstra a hold I do think it's got some defensive characteristics in this environment um, but it's at the same time very difficult to get excited about a company who's earnings per share hasn't grown in 10 years, whose dividends fallen, um, and who still faces a lot of intense competition being the sort of large incumbent in the space. So yeah. happy to give it the whole, it's probably the best I've ever given it. Um, yeah, I, I think I remember talking to you about this being a value trap sort of yeah, years ago. Years so. Years ago, so. All yes. right, Renee, so if you've got it, hold it, but uh, Michael wouldn't be running into it head first. Uh, what do you think? What are the charts telling us, Carl? Ah, oh, the good old Telstra value trap, isn't it? It's been, a, it's good. I've been in the business for forever, Nadine. It certainly feels that way. And I've been talking about that value trap for probably a decade. Uh, but, you know, around um, sort of early last year, you know, the charts started to turn back up. Um, you know, the, the, the price action started to get better and the candles all of a sudden turned white. And uh, we, we did upgrade it to a buy. Um, but the, the valuation never looked good this whole time. You'd see, um, I kind of see it there on the chart um, that, you know, pretty much bottom left, top right. Um, the, all this time, we were happy to call it a buy. The valuation looked rubbish, and it was uh, it was basically just on the basis of momentum. And, and we're happy to do that on certain stocks when we think um, the momentum is sustainable and overlook some of these valuation impediments. The best ones, our, our highest conviction um, recommendations, were the ones where the valuation and the chart uh, match up. Now, here's the gist of the Telstra thing. Everything Michael said is absolutely correct. Market, uh, I think the reason why it's dipped over the last few weeks is that disappointment that they pushed back. Uh, those margin increases on the NBN, which uh, the good news is they're coming to the end of uh, the drag that that's providing, major, major cost outs, and they're going to return to earnings growth after six consecutive years of earnings decline. So positive, positive, positive. But you've got to understand the share price is, is a reflection uh, of what investors are thinking down the track. So I think investors have largely factored in a lot of that turnaround, and that's why the price has gone up. So we're seeing less, uh, we're seeing just as little value in it as when we said it was a buy last year. But with the chart turning now, this is the key. We can no longer forgive the, the, the lack of um, valuation upside uh, with a good chart. The chart is turning, the momentum is changing, and on that basis, we're telling clients to take profits here. Um, so part profits is fine, and then we would look to sell. I'll give you a key level. If it closes below 380, then it would be an outright sell for us. Okay. Sorry, that was a, that was a hold, was it? Uh, it's it, no, it, it take part profit. So uh, it, oh, it, if sell. you want to call it a sell, we, we can yeah, call it a sell. Let's call it a but, sell. But selling, yep, selling part profits, and then below 380, we're all out. Okay, got it. Thank you. Thanks for clarifying. Sorry, I just blanked out there for a second. Uh, right. Look, that brings us to 
the halfway mark. So let's summarize stock of the day and the first five stocks. Stock of the day, Australian Vanadium. Look, it is a hold for Carl. He's been watching uh, this one for quite some time, watching the price action. This is all the rage in the sector. Um, look, he would look for an entry around uh, four cents, round about there. Look, Andrew, uh, Michael would prefer to get into Alchem or to access this thematic verse uh, via the ETFs, ACDC. He says if you've got it, hold it, obviously, in a hot area of the market. Let's get to Alligator Energy and Mernica Energy, and this is for Patrick. So Michael is invested in this area, but he does it via Boss or Paladin. Those are his picks in the space. Um, look, it, again, Carl says, look for ones that are already producing. Boss, Paladin, Lotus are his picks. As far as the charts for you, Patrick, Marineka is a hold. It's a hold for Alligator Energy as well. Qantas, it's a hold for Carl. He does see some value in Qantas, um, but uh, not a buy at this time. Not a great business, according to Michael. He would not be buying Qantas, but if you're in it, he would get you to hold it. Now, SRG Global, it's on Michael's watch list now. It's a hold if you're in it. He sees the momentum there and says it's got a good balance sheet. Carl looks at SRG Global. He calls it a buy. It is doing well. It's got lots of spending by the government behind it. And the only thing he's keeping his eye on, on is costs. Sounds like in WA, it's exactly like it was when I first came to Australia, which was very, very tight labor market. Couldn't find anybody to do anything for you there. All right, and Telstra is the last uh, on the list for this half. It is a hold for Michael. You just can't get too excited about Telstra. It's not an ultra high growth company, although it is a bit defensive. And for Carl, as you just heard, trim, take profits and be all out at $3.80. All right, let's get to the portfolio, shall we? As you know, we've got a new portfolio that has been picked by our investment committee. Stocks that make it in are very high conviction and there's only a few of them in there as opposed to the previous portfolio that we were monitoring. And in there is BHP, Macquarie, Mineral Resources, Steadfast Group, Aristocrat, Leisure, Audinate, CSL, NextDC, and Universal Store. We've got half units of Qantas. There you go, in Frontier Digital Ventures. 20% is being held in cash. So there's a nice pie chart there. The committee meets every month. It discusses the buys that have come from this program, and they decide whether or not they're going to put them into that high conviction fund or readjust the weightings, take others out in favor of the new. So please keep sending your requests to the call at ausbiz.com.au. We still get buy, hold, sells from our guests on the day. And that then goes to our investment committee, which we will be uh, getting the verdict from in the next couple of weeks. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. The next five companies that we will be showcasing today, though, ANZ, it's a really, um, really a wide range of companies today. So we've got ANZ uh, that is coming via Twitter, actually. So thanks for that. We can also take requests via Twitter. Nurin uh, for Nathan, Wide Open Agriculture for Hannah, Ample for Alex, and Brainchip for Lachlan. Now, just remember, this is information only. It's not really tailored to your personal financial circumstances. So while this is for you, 
Um, it's not necessarily um, financial advice by any stretch of the imagination. All right, this is ANZ for at Ants88 via Twitter. He just wants to know your thoughts on ANZ Bank. Carl, we can start with you on this one. Um, the banks in focus and in a rising interest rate environment uh, likely see their net interest margins rise in such an environment. Uh, is ANZ the winner if you take a look at the charts? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that's the backdrop, isn't it? It's all about uh, the potential for rates to go up. And when they do, generally banks with the model of borrowing from us uh, in the short term and paying us very little on our term deposits, as we know right now, uh, and then lending back to other us uh, in the long term uh, at higher rates on our mortgages and it's a pretty yeah, it's a pretty good little gig if you can get it and of course the difference uh, between what you borrow at and what you lend out that's your net interest margin and uh, as uh, when rates are very very low it all gets compressed doesn't it? it all gets very very flat so you have uh, low margins as rates go up you've got scope to sort of um, have a bit higher out here and a bit lower out here and, and then make some money out of it and that's kind of the backdrop look Apart from that, obviously, banks, very defensive sector, given there's plenty of uncertainty at the moment. Um, investors do tend to go there uh, in, in, in that uncertainty. And then, you know, let's face it, yielding all around about 5%. So um, that's the backdrop. I'm not going to talk about ANZ specifically because I don't think I need to. As far as I'm concerned, they're all pretty much the same. An, an Aussie bank, a top four bank is a bank, is a bank, is a bank, as far as your portfolio is concerned, all right? And um, I, I'm speaking now, I guess, to investors who don't have any banks and maybe want to pick one or have one and maybe want to add one. I'm not speaking to the investors who already have all four, and I know there are many people out there who do. Mm -hmm. But if you had to pick one, I would say. Now, I'm going to give you some um, some, some tables here in, in best to worst, okay, uh, in terms of the chart. So let's go, because I think you've got to look at um, your value versus your yield, because people want these for income, versus your chart. Okay, best chart, uh, and this is best to worst. Best chart, National Australia Bank. CBA, Westpac, about the same. Uh, then Bendigo, Adelaide, and then ANZ would be my least favourite on the chart. So that's giving you some idea of what I think about ANZ. In terms of yields, for some people don't care what the chart looks like. They just want to know, hey, Carl, which one's going to give me the best dividend yield because I'm getting stuff all on my term deposit. Okay. Uh, best yield, uh, Bendigo Bank. Uh, that's giving you about 5.6%. Uh, ANZ is the next best, giving you 5.5%. Uh, Westpac is giving you 5.2%. NAB's giving you 4.2%. And CBA's giving you the least at 38 on your dividend yield. They're all fully franked. In terms of the valuation, so how they're trading in terms of their price to earnings ratio uh, compared to you know, the historical uh, norms. The best value is Bendigo Bank. I do like that one. Uh, then Westpac is the next, then ANZ, then NAB, then CBA is in theory the most expensive. So you've got, whichever you know, you person or investor you are, you've got a, a way to, I guess, look back at the recording of this and, and decide uh, what suits you the best. So you're not buying ANZ, I take it. Oh, ANZ, no, on the chart, no. No. no there you go. Are you buying ANZ, Michael? Um, look, we don't really hold many banks at the moment. Um, it's probably been to our detriment because the banks have held up very well. Um, it's a tough one at the moment because there are some things that are very positive for the banking space and some things that we believe are negative. Uh, the fact is that you know the high household savings rate, increasing wage growth is definitely a positive for the banking sector should the economy stay pretty good in, in as good a shape as it is at the moment. Um, but you've also got to be conscious of the fact that, you know, net interest margins are going up um, over time as interest rates go up, you would think as well. So that's definitely a positive for banks. And if interest rates get to about one and a half percent, that's probably about a, 
an 8 to 10% increase in earnings for the banks over the next few years. Obviously, that's somewhat offset by the increase in the term deposit rates. Um, obviously, they have to go to pay more out, so mm. that means it's a, a, a negative on the margins. And competition is so strong, and it's coming from all you know, all sides, a, right? this is negative at the moment. There's a lot of intense competition for home loans. You've got a lot of people who are trying to jump in front of rising interest rates who are moving into fixed rate mortgages. Um, that's a lower margin product for the banks. Um, and then you've got to think as well, if interest rates are going up um, from very, very low levels, credit growth gets hindered by that, people can't borrow as much to spend on houses. So all that dynamic that's been for the last 20, 30 years in favor of the banking sector is now moving against them, particularly if we start to see the housing price prices come off a little bit. So we're a little bit torn because on one hand, there's no doubt that higher interest rates is good for net interest margins, but then again, rising rates you would think mm -hmm. is adversely impacting things like the housing market. So. ANZ and NAB on paper at least are expected to be the biggest beneficiaries from rising net interest margins. Um, but in terms of quality, probably CBA is still the best quality. Um, so if, look, from my standpoint, I'm happy to go a hold on ANZ. That's more so to do with the fact that I think in a turbulent market like we're experiencing at the moment, I think the banks will hold up relatively well versus the rest of, of the market. But in terms of looking out in growth wise, it's again hard to get excited about a company with return on equity that's been in decline for the last five or so years where dividends have been falling. And all these banks, they've got to spend an enormous amount on improving their technology going forward. So it's just going to be very challenging, I think, for the banks to get all aspects of their business moving in the right direction at the same time. Not so a resounding It's um, a hold, but more so for lack of other alternatives in a challenging market, yep. but not getting too excited either. Got it. Now, Nurin Pharmaceuticals is the next on the list. Michael, I'll start with you. Nurin NEU, this is for Nathan. Look, in my research, this is being called a transformational year for the company. It has um, medicines out there to address Rett syndrome. So this is a syndrome that affects younger people primarily. No approved medicine. It's got orphan drug status in the U.S. Uh, the company in its most recent report is forecasting revenue of about 115 million plus, roundabout there, 2022 and 2023 in the U.S. alone. Um, what do you think of Neuron as an investment opportunity? I've never heard of it until today, uh, so I've had a, a little bit of a read on it. So I take, hope so. take with what I take what I say with a bit of a grain of salt, because there's a little bit more detail. And look, these companies are very complicated because they've often got a series of clinical trials going as well that could in many ways make or break the company. Um, it does seem like this company does have some revenue coming through the door, which is a good thing, which means they can uh, fund some of these clinical trials without having to keep going back to the market and raising more capital. Um, they've got a current trial in process at the moment, um, which is going through the, the third phase um, for, for that Rett syndrome, and I'm not sure when that will get approval, but they're looking and hoping for mid-2022, mm -hmm. but you you never know for certain what the outcome is gonna be. So in some ways it can be a bit of a binary outcome uh, where if they do get FDA approval and they do get that forecast revenue through the door, the share price will take off. Likewise, if it fails, you can expect the share price to, to drop. It's not uncommon 30, 40, 50%. So just understand that um, you can obviously see that as they've progressed through the various trials, um, the share price has reacted accordingly, but that can unwind pretty quickly um, if this latest result doesn't come good for them. So 
for mine, very volatile, very uncertain. Um, and you can see looking again at that chart that it will move significant amounts on the news flow that comes out. So just be wary of that. From my standpoint, it's in the too hard basket and the too high risk basket. So it's a, a sell while it's done and quite well for you. Got it. Thank you, Michael. Mm -hmm. What do you make of Neuron Pharmaceuticals, Carl? Yeah, look, I, I can see where Michael's coming from. Um, you know, high risk, high reward typically with these uh, biopharma companies. But uh, this one's a long way down the track. So we're, we're phase three, right? Now, phase three is that, that step before you, you actually get approval and, and, and uh, commercialising. So most of, most of your um, uh, drugs or therapies that get through phase three, and I'm going to say most, vast majority, nine out of 10 will get approved by the FDA. Um, this one is the only drug in its, of its type treating this particular syndrome as well. So that's a big bonus. It's not like it's going to hit a market um, that is full of full of competitors. Um, they've got a distribution partner over there in the US that is on the verge of uh, paying them $115 million over the next couple of years because um, for all intents and purposes, the, the assumption now is this will get to commercialization. Uh, so that big pop on the chart was uh, some of these really fantastic results coming through um, for the phase three trials. So if you wonder why it pops. Uh, but what it did, and that pop is important because it kind of takes the company from, uh, let's face it, a company that very few people knew about to a company now that everybody knows about. Uh, a lot of people bought on the expectation that the momentum would continue. Now a lot of people are kind of stuck in it. And um, look, uh, this is where I'd often say, well, there's a long time between here and uh, commercialization and sales. It's not the case with this one. So uh, ordinarily, I'd look at this and I'd say, look, it probably will go down for the next uh, 12 to 18 months because everybody's in it. And uh, if everybody's in it, nobody's left to buy it. These guys are going to start earning money pretty soon, I reckon. Um, and uh, market cap's only about 500 million. So, you know, revenues over the next couple of, couple of years of, uh, well, you know, rough maths, 150, 160 million Australian. Um, I think means it's probably going to be okay. Again, I need to see the chart pick up. So yes, it's popped. It's holding well. That's important. Uh, I don't think I'm a sell on this one. I'm more of a hold. I'm not a buy yet. So what I would need mm -hmm. to see for it to be a buy, I think is a close. And I'll give you a very specific number here. Uh, very specific. This high here. Uh, that high there. Close above 430. And I think we're back in the game. Okay. So wait for that. There's, there's, there's no uh, problems at all with just waiting and watching this one. You're not missing out on a whole lot. It's Dropping below four, it could get to 380, 350 before it starts to move back up. I'll, I might comment, comment on it, uh, watch the Twitter feed. I might find the right candle there to buy yeah. it lower down. But if you, if you don't hear from me, uh, four, close above 430 is the place to start to buy. Thank you, Carl. Let's go to Wide Open Agriculture, WA. This is for Hannah. I'm going to start with you, Carl. I Going by memory, this is based in WA. It's in sure uh, the agri-space. It's making food products. Is this a very sweet time for the company? Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, this is, um, it's a massively growing market. So if you don't know what they do, it's basically the, uh, well, environmentally sustainable, yeah. sustainable processes uh, for oat milk at the moment, uh, which you either love it, love it or hate it, right? But a lot of people do love it. Uh, and they are moving, and this is, look, they're doing really well with their uh, sales of the oat milk. So, you know, quarter by quarter by quarter by quarter, uh, increasing, uh, you know, bottom left, top right on their uh, revenues, which is great. No earnings yet, because they're very much investing for growth. Uh, mainly WA focused at the moment, but looking to expand um, across the nation. They've got a, a big distribution partnership with Woolworths, which will help facilitate that. Um, but the, what's exciting about this one is the 
the, there's the possibility of moving into some of these uh, meat substitutes. Now, I don't know uh, what happens um, <coughs> in the Blaney household, uh, but certainly <laughs> over here in the Capaligua household, we, we're aiming, you know, for, for one a week now, we're, we're doing a meat substitute. So a couple of nights ago, we did the, 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 the soy-based burgers. Uh, you know, I've got two kids, 50% approval rate. Amongst the kids, <laughs> but we, how about yeah, you? How persist. about you? Come on, don't sit on the no, fence. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. No, I, 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 I'm a tick, and we've trialed we've trialed a few now over the last few months. But look, it's something we're we're going to adopt, and we're going to we're going to push in. And no doubt, uh, many of us, many Australians are looking to do the same. So I like the I like the the, the space it's in. Now here's the problem. Okay, so I, there's no profits yet, and probably not going to be for a while. The problem is the chart. So I'm going to find the chart. Here we go. Uh, it was one of those stocks that nobody knew about. Again, like Neuron, right? And then everybody yeah. knew about it. It went vertical. It went from 10 cents to a dollar 90, and then everybody's in it, and there's nobody left to buy. And there's just slow, slow, slow grind down from top left, bottom right now as we're waiting for it to start to hit some of these key milestones, like operational, uh, operationally cash flow positive. And then they're kind of getting further away from it because they, they, they're employing more and more people um, to scale up. And we know employment uh, is tough, particularly over here in WA, as I've said before. Mm -hmm. So once they turn the corner, we start to see those um, Appendix 4Cs. So viewers, watch those Appendix 4Cs. That's their quarterly cash flow statements. And there's a line in there which says uh, net operating cash flow. And as that starts to get uh, starts to move back in the right direction, so closer to zero, um, the stock will pick up again. As it crosses that threshold back into, into, into operational cash flow positive, I think you'll see it, see it do well. Until then, it's just a watch. There's no need to own it. There's no need to buy it. It's just wait and see. Okay, and if you have it, you'd hold it then? If you have it, you're in trouble because I think the chart looks terrible. Oh, okay. So would you sell <laughs> if you are still got your head oh, above the water? Look, hang on on the basis that oh. there is a promising company here, but it could be 30 cents before it turns around. Yeah. That's the big risk. Okay. All right. Thank you. Are you a, a steak and potatoes household? No, no we mix it up. We try no. and be healthy during yeah. the week at least, maybe a pizza or two on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing. It is one of those companies. We interviewed um, the CEO, you know, right back around, you know, the launch of Ozbiz. And there, there is a really good story to tell, yeah. but it's got a limited market right now. So um, for you, when you think about risk reward, is it worthwhile nibbling, excuse the pun, at this one? I'm um, thinking of the future. I just look, I think it's one of these narrative stocks where the story is great. Um, but when you look at the actual business itself, it hasn't yet proven itself as a quality business and it's still got a long way to go until it does. Um, essentially, there's many, many competitors in this space at the moment, not necessarily directly in this oat milk area, but in terms of healthy, um, environmentally friendly, meat free type meals so yeah, grown in the right way grown in the right way so it's always difficult to work out if you're going to, if this company's going to have enough scale to sort of win the race to gain the market share or whether they'll be uh, superseded by someone else out there so there's all these factors that go into it um, it had a, a very good year last year in terms of revenues but you look at the actual absolute numbers close to four million dollars it's really small beer at the moment so they're going to have to really maintain that momentum um, and they're going to have to stop burning through as much cash or, again, raise some money. So, it's look, it's tough at the moment to get too excited about it. You can see it came to the market, had a big run up with a lot of fanfare, and there's a bit of reality probably coming back into the price at the moment. Maybe the market is expecting another capital raise or something along those lines. Um, so, you can definitely keep it on your watch list, but just be careful that it's not the only game in town. There's a lot of competition out there. So, you really want to watch the cash on the balance sheet because that will ultimately determine 
whether it can keep investing in marketing and mm -hmm. investing in developing new products and offerings, etc. So for mine, it's a, a sell for now. Sell, got it, thank you. I like conviction. Let's get Ampol for Alex, done and dusted. Michael, Ampol. So petrol prices go up like a rocket mm -hmm. and down like a feather. Um, <laughs> when you think about Ampol, you immediately think about oil prices, but it's not everything that you have to consider. That's, that's right. There's the refining margins out of Singapore. Um, there's currency issues as well. Um, and the fact is, it's really a marketing exercise these days. So Ampol has about 35% of fuel distribution throughout the country. Um, they're kind of hoping that you go in there and fill up your car with the premium unleaded as opposed to the, the E10 or whatever it is, because they can extract a higher margin. They're also hoping that you go into the shop and buy a Coke or a Mars bar or something like that as well while you're in there. So it's almost a bit of a, a retailer these days. Um, long term, it's also a, a challenging one to get your head around because if we're pushing ourselves down the electric vehicle route, which I think makes sense, um, then there's gonna be less demand for petrol, not to mention the fuel efficiency of, of vehicles these days is considerably better than where it was, say, 20 years ago. So it's hard. Um, it's probably a good thing, the fact that oil prices are going up in the short term, because they might be able to extract a little bit more margin, but you've got to be able to understand all the different elements that go into it, and it can be quite complex to understand at times. I and hate, by the way, reading the Empol result when it comes out. I just find it really confusing. confusing. I hope I'm not yeah. alone. Well, they got rid of their refiner um, yeah. in Australia, and they now rely more on overseas, which is, it was good for them because it took um, their reliance away from a, a, a really uncompetitive refiner, but now they're more at the mercy of the market price and, and what's going on in mm -hmm. Singapore. But it can be quite a complex yeah. uh, business to understand. Sorry, I just I just got in there before yeah. you were going to say buy wholesale. Um, I'm going to put a look. I'm going to put a hold on it because I think it's probably again a lower risk type mm -hmm. business which is really unimpacted by like the negativity around what's going on around the world. If anything, it's probably positively mm -hmm. impacted and things like inflation, uh, things like higher oil prices should be a positive for them. But from a, a medium longer term perspective, I, I think there's, al there's better alternatives to be in. Got it, thank you. And Paul, Carl on the charts, please. Yeah, look, it's, it's a tough gig. Um, look, as a pro, uh, or, uh, Petrol prices spike. Obviously, I mean, you, you, you're not going to go in and buy that Mars bar or the um, or the Calippo or whatever it is you, True, you, yeah. you mix Mrs. Max pie or whatever it is, right? Uh, and you're probably going to find other ways to get to work. Um, all the rage of these e-scooters at the moment, and uh, you know you might chuckle at that, but it is real and it's happening. So I think there are, you know, what's happening in Ukraine has changed the momentum on the chart. We were actually pretty positive to it before that. Uh, and because it was starting to build up, uh, it build its uptrend again. Uh, and it's one of those stocks, uh, I can't remember the one I mentioned before, or I didn't, uh, yeah, it's one, a Telstra. You don't like it necessarily in the valuation, but you're happy to play the momentum. It's never a core holding in your portfolio because it's too cyclical. Um, so we've gone from actually, uh, you know, uh, calling it a buy, we've actually flipped on that, we're gonna call it a sell. So, thank you. Let's get to Brainchip. Lucky last on the list for Lachlan. BRN is the ticker code, Carl. Uh, talk to us about the company, talk to us about its backers. There's a lot of enthusiasm being built into this company. So what uh, do you make of it? <laughs> a lot of enthusiasm. This this was the hottest of hottest stock yeah. uh, going back towards the end of the year. And um, uh, I know on all the um, sort of the, the, the discount brokerages, they'd all come out and say Brainship is the one everybody's trading at the moment. That always gets me a little bit concerned. Um, but I do like momentum plays, as you know, and it's one of those that you can play on momentum. We, we look, we certainly did... Um, 
Uh, I, I think it has my, I had it as my feature chart of the day. Uh, I just hit my notes here five times between November and January, right? So it was just like the best thing on the market. And whilst the momentum's there, we're going to be on it, we're going to enjoy it. But as uh, we start to see the signs of reversal come in, so the first and foremost, the biggest thing you've got to look at, and it's it stands out, um, it stands out as you know day and night on this particular chart. If you go and look at the candlesticks, is those, those huge black candles that come in after a vertical spike. Um, so that's our first signal that start to take profits. And then you'll see the price pull back after that because it indicates that supply is finally meeting demand in the market. And then you'll get another rally, you get it like a relief rally. And when that rally um, ends, probably with some more black candles below the first one, that's your second sign to take some profits. And they're generally looking for the break of the middle V in between those two peaks as the sign to take full profits. We've, we've been there, we've done all that. So um, you know, we're out of this one. The problem for investors now, if you, if you didn't get out, if, you did, you know, if you're one of those people that buys on the way up and then forgets to sell on the way down, or is hoping that it'll get back to those highs, I think you're in trouble. It's one of those ones that uh, nobody knew about, every knew about, everybody knew about, now everybody's waiting to get out of. It could be like a zip or those BNPLs that have these very long tails after those big spikes. So um, it's, not a, it's not a buy for me. I don't think I can even get to the ho a hold on these technicals. Um, having said that, down the track, it's watched for signs of, um, you know, white candles, high peaks, high troughs, and it could be back on my, my top buy list. You never know. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Michael, final word to you on brain chip. Yeah, it was cap capturing the imagination of everyone when it was sort of gone parabolic on mm -hmm. the charts. It's come back to reality uh, recently, like a lot of the, the rest of the tech space. But that's not to say there's not a, a great business there in the future at some point. It's sort of space age, artificial intelligence stuff. It, it's object censoring, people censoring, um, gesture censoring, all these very interesting things that if they can be embedded into modern technologies will have a lot of use going forward. So from my standpoint in this current market, it's probably a little bit too difficult to jump in at the moment. Um, but you want to keep this on your watch list because if it does start to turn into a fully functioning company, generating good revenues, creating more and more partnerships, then it could definitely uh, resume that upward trend. So I have it as a, a, a hold at the moment. Not what I was expecting, thank you. Okay, <laughs> let's get a summary of what we've learned in the past half hour. So ANZ Bank, Carl is not buying it. It's a hold for Michael, but of course he's not that excited to it. Part of the reason why he's keeping it as a hold is because they're relatively defensive in this volatile environment. Nurin Pharmaceuticals is a hold for Carl. He has given a very specific price, $4.30. If you see it go above that, that is when you look to get in. It is a sell for Michael if you've done well. Take it, cut, cut, you know, take it and run. All right, let's get to wide open agriculture. It's a sell for Michael as well. He was dishing out the sells today. It is not a quality business yet. Have it on your watch list, but there's no need to be in it right now because it hasn't yet proven itself as a business fundamentally. Okay, uh, the chart is a problem when it comes to wide open agriculture for Carl. Uh, it's again, it's if you're in it, you could hold it, but it is a watch list if you're not in it. There's no reason to be in there right now. Ampol is a sell for Carl. It's a hold for Michael, again, because of this broader oil price environment in the short term, but he sees much, uh, you know, much better options for you in the medium to long term. Brainship, you just heard the guys talking about it. Watch list material in Michael's view. Carl there in WA, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and your insights as always. And look, when you come to the East Coast, please, please come into the studio. We'd love to see you.
Will do, absolutely. Thanks, Nadine. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial, thank you for coming no, in. Thank it is you. nice to see you. Sorry I was so pessimistic with all the sales, <laughs> but fingers crossed we can get some buyers in there soon. Hey, look, I just want honesty. That's all we want around here. Thank you so much. If you have a company you'd like us to cover, the call at ausbiz.com.au is where you go to. And like we saw today, you can also tweet a request to us at TV. You can check out that portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.